Welcome everyone to episode number three of The Hobby. I am super grateful today to be joined by the one and only sports card Pete on Instagram. His real name is Pete as well. Pete, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. You know, I'm really excited today because we're going to be talking about a very very, um, famous vintage set and in particular, a vintage card, a really big card that you bought um, over the last couple of months. But, you know, as I meet you here, I notice you're a young guy. There's not a lot of guys who are, who are younger who are into this vintage stuff. Can you start by just introducing yourself and talking about um, how you got into vintage? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Pete. Um, I've been collecting since the early 2000s, you know, loosely started during the um, Ichiro craze, uh, pulling those packs in 2001, looking for his top rookie. My father was a big collector, um, mostly, you know, mailing in cards to his favorite players, getting them autographed the very old school way. Um, but I didn't really get crazy into the hobby until, you know, high school around the 2005, um, area where I did some research and like kind of fell in love with the history of baseball. And so, you know, my first purchase was a T206 Cy Young card, uh, which is obviously made in 1909. So um, way, way, way before I was ever born. But I think for me, there's the history aspect towards collecting that I kind of appreciate over other things. I love it. Most people, I think, start with, with newer stuff. You might be the first person I've ever met whose first card was almost 100 years older than they were. So I think that's very, very cool. Well, the, the set that we're going to be talking about today, as you know, is the T206 set. So I'm going to start out with a controversial question, which is simply, is T206 the greatest set ever made? So, I mean, that is, I mean, everyone will have an answer for that, right? So I think people say, oh, 1952, the, you know, there's the modern folks that think the 97, you know, PMG. Um, I would say that it may not be the most aesthetically, you know, pleasing set. It may not be the earliest set, but um, it checks every box. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why uh, people collect it. It's actually a couple of things. One, it can be affordable. So a lot of the common cards you can get you know, for $50, right? And so I think it appeals to a lot of people that couldn't afford the big sets. You can buy a common, you know, player for 50 bucks. Um, it appeals to the high-end market because you get into cards like Honus Wagner, which goes for millions. Um, and it's so wide. There's back collectors. There's so much research on it. And in reality, if you're a historian, even though it's not the first set of baseball cards, it's really the most significant first big set of baseball at a time in 1909 when baseball was really becoming very popular in the United States. Um, it has a lot of key hall of famers, um, a lot of different rarities to keep people interesting. Um, it is really standing the test of time. I think people like me often who, who have collected other, um, you know, other sports and other sets, we think about the Wagner, right? Like that's the thing that immediately kind of comes to mind, but I don't think that we know as much about like, how big the set is or how it was distributed or, you know, things like that. Can you talk a little bit about those things? Yeah. So um, the set is 524 cards deep. Um, I would probably say, you know, 450 of them um, are relatively affordable to get over time. And then it gets harder as you go to Hall of Famers and some of the error cards, which are nearly impossible. Um, it is very tough to complete a full set. The, these cards are distributed in packs of cigarettes. Um, and so that's why not a lot of them kind of survived because um, even though there's a ton of supply, um, 
they were the afterthought. Right? People use them for cigarettes, right? And so um, they were distributed through those packs. And that's kind of like where the folklore comes with Honus Wagner, where allegedly he didn't want his name associated with cigarettes. And so uh, they pulled him early in production. But um, yeah, distributed through cigarettes. Just a very interesting way uh, of you know distributing these cards versus the modern way through packs and everything. Yeah, I would say it's it's obviously a huge difference. And I can't imagine that was particularly good for the condition as well. Is that is that true? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think just anything in general, a uh, hundred years old plus, right. It, you have a lot of cards that fall into this, I would say five or less grade, um, much tougher to see, you know, seven plus, but they are there. So I think some of them kind of look very clean. Um, but yeah, most of the cards you find are, are in lower grade condition. Awesome. So, Let's move now to talk a little bit about the card specifically that you bought, but then jump into one of the aspects about it. So the card that you bought um, in the uh, in the April auction was the, or excuse me, the the May auction um, was the was the T two hundred six Ty Cobb. Um, that was also that wasn't just a wasn't just a T two hundred six Ty Cobb. It was a PSA DNA graded tie cob. So this is this is you know the tie cob on its own is already just an absolutely massive card, but this is one of only a few autographed copies ever. We'll we'll wait to talk a little bit more about your specific card, but what I what I would love to have a conversation about now is a little bit about um, PSA DNA, you know, autographed vintage cards, which. I personally am a huge fan of, I know you are too. Can you talk a little bit about, um, about why PSA DNA autographed vintage cards are, are an interesting class um, in our hobby right now? Yeah, well, the, if you're collecting modern, right? Like you see an autograph on a card, a patch auto, you flip on the back, it's real, right? It's like, okay, there's ways to manipulate that. But I think for the most part, if it's a pack pull, then a lot of newer cards, you see an exquisite autograph with a patch, like it's probably real. Um, you get back farther along, right? And there becomes a little bit of shred of doubt for certain cards, right? Because you're so far past the person's no longer living. Um, it's much harder to kind of prove it's, it's uh, a legitimate autograph. And so you have to focus on two things, the quality of the company grading it and kind of the provenance, right? And I think you need to have one or two to make the card, you know, really strong because as long as there's some doubt about the card uh, and there's always naysayers, a lot of times naysayers for wrong reasons, but um, having that PSA DNA there, um, this is very important to kind of feel more comfortable knowing, okay, this card is legitimate, um, especially for vintage because so far away, and I understand it's tougher to kind of forge a vintage card, but they can be done. Um, this period in time is tougher because no one was really forging in the 1940s for this, uh, whenever the cop card was signed. Um, but in general, I think having PSA DNA is extremely important. Well, he, he passed away in 61, right? And so mm -hmm. it's awesome to think about this card was at a minimum signed over 60 years ago. That's incredible, right? M most of these cards that we're buying today that are, um, you know, authenticated and come out of the packs, we're talking about guys that, is, that have signed here in the last few years. But to have an autograph, you know, that, that's, that's that, you know, that's that old, um, you know, it's, it's something that's truly rare. In fact, let's talk a little bit about the rarity right now. So I've got some numbers for you. Um, we talked about how the T206 set is like one of the most popular sets of all time, and it's it's not exactly rare. So as of yesterday, 
there were 256,879 total T206 cards that had been graded by, by PSA, but only 87 across the whole set that had been authenticated by PSA DNA. That's about 3,000 um, regular T206 cards that are graded for every one that's, uh, that's autographed. To me, this is why um, PSA DNA vintage stuff is so compelling because it's not only like, you know, a view into something historic, but it's, it's something that's really super rare, yeah, incredibly rare. Any thoughts or anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think um, the, you know, people like rare things, right? And so owning a signed Tito 6 is rare enough, even though it's, it's very popular, right? There's, a, you know, it's, it's still nice to have, but then adding something that, you know, is signed for the most part, a lot of these people, like they passed away in the early 1900s, right? It's very difficult to do. Uh, and we're used to seeing signatures in pen and marker. The fact that there's autographs in fountain pen, it just adds an extra layer of kind of rarity and, and coolness. Yeah, I love that. I think the autograph on your card in particular is just, is just fantastic. Um, in fact, let's pull up, uh, let's pull up this autograph right now and let's just take a, a quick look at it. Um, one thing that, that I think is worth highlighting here is that when people sign a card at any age, there's usually a better place and a worse place for the autograph to be put. The T206 provides for a largely like really nice area for, for the card to be signed, but you know, the, the way that, the way that he's got the, the logo there, you know, on his chest, he avoids that completely. He avoids his face completely. It's just a perfect autograph. Yeah, it's the placement's great. Um, I think for this card in particular, the placement's nice. But when you're talking about such a tiny supply, um, I think he could have signed it on Ty Cobb's face. I probably still would have <laughs> <laughs> aggressively. <laughs> good, good call. Beggars can't be choosers, right? When you when there's when there's seven Ty Cobb autographs in the world from the T206 set, sometimes uh, you know some of those things are less important. Let's take a look at the cards. Um, the cards condition. Um, in particular, let's let's go to the back where there's some stuff that's going on there that's um, that's worth recognizing. When you when you think about you know this card, you see some of the paper loss and stuff that's going on around it. How do you like? What does that bug you? How do you feel about it? There's a lot of Tito sixes with paper loss. Um, a lot of them were kind of either you know glued to an album um, or to paper, and so paper loss on Tito six is actually quite common. Um, and I think that's why that knocks a grade down to a two or less. And so um, I actually go for those cards because you can buy a beautiful front that looks like a seven and, you know, get it for a two price. The, that doesn't, and then it, it's a history too, like knowing that, okay, this is in someone's album at some point um, or somewhere. The front, right, I think for me, I like a really high quality front image and, mm. um, I like good eye appeal, like good centering. Uh, I don't like creases. And so this card has a lot of things I don't usually like, but it points to the fact that I think this wasn't, or if I was, you know, newer to the hobby and looking for a low grade, you know, a filler for a Cobb green, I would probably go for this because even at this, if this wasn't autographed, this might be worth, you know, four or $5,000, um, which is kind of exceptional given this, this condition. So um, I think in this instance, I kind of put away my condition, you know, checklist and say, okay, I can live with the crease. I can live with the creases. I can live with the lower grade, the rounded corners um, because 
the, the face is generally fine. The color's good and the autograph is great. Awesome. You know, I just want to just want to read a couple of quick facts here that I think are super interesting. So um, in the last 18 years, there have been a total of six signed Ty Cobb cards from his playing back days that have sold at auction. So I bring up that, you know, that paper loss thing, fully recognizing that, that if you ever wanted an opportunity, like if you ever wanted one of these cards, that was the opportunity and you took it, you know, you grabbed it, you got the card and, you know, it's not like, it's just not like you're going to see, you're going to see another one pop up very likely for a long time. And then as, as we speak to the condition, I, I also wrote this down. So there are seven Ty Cobb autographs across this four different variations that have been graded by PSA. And um, of those four variations, there's one that's a PSA five. There's one that's a PSA two. And the other five are all PSA ones are authentic. So, you know, if you were really focused on something like, hey, how's the condition of the card on this? One, you're never going to see it. And two, like, as you pointed out, then you don't get the fact that like it was in somebody's album, right? Yours is unique because you can see that it's, you know, that it came from something like an album. But speaking um, to where it came from, I know you also mentioned the word provenance. What, when, when it comes to this card in particular, can you talk about the provenance, but then also why provenance is, is so important um, to you? Right. So, um, well, I think provenance in general, I think, adds to the history of it, right? So, like, think of it as um, the art market. I think the collecting market will have a lot of parallels going forward with the art market, right? Because um, it's the art market, it's like, okay, it was in this gallery, it was in this exhibit, this collector owned it, which sold to this person. Um, I think you're going to see that more as like cards become more mainstream, you'll see provenance more, but back in the day, there really wasn't much, right? So you look at the cards you have now, you know, my old, like a lot of my older pre-war cards, um, I don't know where it came from. Right. Um, and so I think if I knew it came from this person's family collection, um, I think it'd be phenomenal. There's a couple of bigger collectors that have like the label uh, as like, you know, um, as someone's collection in the, uh, the kind of like the label of the graded card. But uh, it's not very often you see that. This particular card was a group of four T206s that were signed, as well as a T202, which recently sold an REA for, I think, $300,000, and a T205. And basically, they called it the George Sands Collection, even though I think his last name was different than that. Uh, and basically, he mailed these cards to Ty Cobb. Uh, Ty Cobb signed them, mailed them back to uh, George. And there's the, actually, this was all auctioned in 1995 uh, hunt auctions and hunt included the envelope that it came in where the back of it has ty cobb's address postmarked wow. right so i mean like it doesn't get any better than that right it comes with a group of cards um that history is awesome just knowing that ty cobb literally signed it with his fountain pen to a friend sent it to him the envelope was still there and it became part of a collection uh, of cop signed cards i mean it's just unfathomable you know, I wish we in some ways had led with that part of the story, Pete, because to me, that storytelling around the card is is infinitely more compelling than than even like the number grade or the case that it's in or, or, or whatever. Like at the end of the day, you, you as you, you said it perfectly, there's really not a better way to sort of like get a Ty Cobb autograph than, than how you got it with that provenance. And to me, where I'm a card collector. I just personally can't think of, you know, a cooler, a cooler collectible for one of the really one of the all time great baseball players and something that's incredibly rare. 
And when I compare that to, you know, what other things sell for you, I just think you got a great card at a price that I think was a great price and just want to congratulate you and really want to thank you for, for your time here today. Is there anything else that you want to say about the, the card before we, before we depart? No, I mean, I, the one thing I'd mention is I think, um, you know, a lot of new entrants in the hobby, um, or at least you see recently, right, the past two years have come to modern. Um, and I think that people have been used to these kind of price craziness, um, uh, you know, going up 8x and going down and complaining. But I think the vintage market has been so resilient. And I think that's kind of when people like talk about doom and gloom in the hobby, um, just look at the vintage market. It's been around forever. And over any long term period, it usually goes up a lot in value. And so I think, um, you know, vintage is a great place to one, collect because of history and two, as a storage of value, I think it's great. I think um, it's nice to see more people that started modern looking at vintage. I'm happy to help anyone out with that. Awesome. Well, um, again, Sports Card Pete on Instagram, you've been fantastic. Congratulations again on an amazing card and hope to have you back soon. Awesome, man. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it.